1: I wrote something about the persecution of Christians overseas this week, uh, specifically about um, this latest attack where 29 Coptic Christians were executed, martyred. And I make the point, uh, the, the claim... Let's say that we have it easy in this country and and um, this point upset some people. So I want to expand on it. But I also want to say, first of all, that that um, that what people were saying, everyone will admit because they have to admit that. Well, certainly compared to the Christians in a place like Egypt or Nigeria or uh, or Ethiopia or Afghanistan, or Iraq, or Libya, or Syria, or wherever. Um, certainly compared with them, we, we have it easy. But there are many who said that taking that out of it, we still don't have it easy here. But I think we do if we understand the, that in a certain way, and I want to talk about that in a second. But I also want to say, first of all, that what we should really be upset about is the fact that nobody cares really what's happening to these Christians. And okay, I can't say nobody, some people do. Some of us are aware, uh, concerned, upset maybe, perturbed. But we all know whether we admit it or not that we don't react to the mass murder of Egyptian Christians like we would to the mass murder of Baptists in Alabama or Catholics in Maryland. If, if Muslim goons attacked a church in Ohio, burned it to the ground, killed the people inside, uh, like they've done in, in, uh, in many places around the world, it would be the only thing any of us talked about for days on end. And if Christians in this country experienced in a full year the sort of violence that Christians elsewhere in the world encounter in a day, I'm betting many of us would be screaming for a new crusade. We wouldn't just be concerned, we'd be furious, we'd be enraged, we'd be obsessed with this problem. But let's face the facts. That's not how any of us are really reacting to the very real and very current and very bloody persecution of our brothers and sisters a few thousand miles away. Why is that? And we know that the the media certainly isn't giving it much coverage. And we've been conditioned uh, to care about things only to the extent that the media tells us about it. So so there's that too. Um, But there's something else. And what's the real reason why we don't get as upset about it as we would if it were closer to us? And when I say and I ask that, it's not a rhetorical question. I don't know the answer. I, really, I, you know, I think about this all the time. People talk about it, just how we react to certain things. And, uh, and I don't know what the answer is. It's easy to say. Well, it's a matter of distance, and if something's really far away from you, it feels remote, and it just doesn't feel so. So, if something, some big tragedy happens right down the road from you, or or or, or a state away from you, or at least in the same country, it feels closer because it is closer, and that's human. I understand that. So, I understand. Listen, I, I get that. Anytime some, there's a school shooting, whatever in this country, uh, it, it's it's there's always that same day you could always look somewhere else like in Africa or Middle East or anywhere really in the world and find a, something that's quote unquote worse just in in terms of the body count and everything else. Yet we care more about the school shooting that just happened here. And that I get, that makes sense. That's human. Um, We we should care for our priorities should be first with the people that are right around us. That's how people, that's how human beings are. That's how all human beings are. You care first about your own community, your own country, and then you kind of branch out from there. But, it still doesn't quite explain it because you know, you have this attack in Manchester and that's not our country. Um, Many of us have, I've never been to Manchester. I've never been to the UK. I, it was a, it was a, a Ariana Grande concert in the UK. I will never be, nor have I ever been to a pop concert in the, in the UK. And it's pretty far away, isn't it? Yet we, we cared and we should care. But it was headline news, and we care deeply about it. And maybe we'll say, "Yeah, but it's still close, isn't it?" And what's happened in Egypt? That's like really far away. But what if, what if there was a bombing? And I said this yesterday in my piece. What if there was a what if uh, the Sydney Opera House, Opera House in uh, in uh, in Australia, was bombed? Which is you know that takes you twenty four hours by plane to get there. That would. Mean a lot to us. Wouldn't it? That would be dominate the headlines for days, wouldn't it? I think it would. So distance doesn't quite explain it, and I don't think it's racism either, because uh, I'm sure there would be outrage of epic proportions if you know black Christians were were gunned down for their faith in this. We, we that did in fact happen, as you know. It wasn't a religiously motivated attack. It was racial, but. We had black Christians that were killed uh, in Charleston, and uh, it got a lot of attention as well as it should. So it's not the racial, the racial angle isn't quite it. So what is it? For those that are dying and suffering in silence far away from our borders, we have concern, but we don't have that deep, seething, righteous anger in the pit of our souls. Do we? It doesn't seem like it, and I don't know why. Is it, are we so selfish and dumb that something needs to happen within driving distance for us to pay attention to it? Do we need celebrities to make a, you know, a PSA about it before we can decide on our own to give the slightest bit of crap about it? Is it about the media? I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, it's just maybe some of this is human nature. And maybe that's not the important question anyway. The more important question that people ask all the time is, you know, what can we do about it anyway? Persecution of Christians overseas. People say, well, okay, what do we do about it? You want us to care? What should we do about it? Well, the first thing I would say to that is if there's a school shooting in uh, Ohio and you live in Tennessee. What can you do about that? There's not much you can really do about it. Even if you live in the same community, there's not much you could do about it. Even if you go to the school, there's not much you can do about it after the fact. Things you could do ahead of time to prevent, to, to protect. We don't do a lot of those things. Making sure there are people with guns in the school, for instance, that sort of thing. We won't get into that. So the, well, we can't do anything about it. That's a cop-out because you can't do anything about anything that happens hardly in the world. You have a, you, your sphere of influence is very, very small. And there's only like a few things you can really do anything about and the rest of it you can basically do nothing about except except there are a few things and when it comes to this the persecution of christians or anything we can we can pray and sometimes we forget that prayer it's not some you know exercise and sending good vibes in someone's direction that's we hear uh These days, the more secular version of saying, oh, I'm sending prayers out. We say, well, I'm sending my thoughts out. You hear people say that. Oh, this is a terrible tragedy. I send my thoughts out for the family. Well, that, that, that doesn't do anything. Sending your thoughts out. Unless you have ESP and they have ESP, sending your thoughts doesn't mean anything. You can't send your thoughts. You send your thoughts by speaking them, but just thinking something doesn't do anything. Prayer, on the other hand, is a supernatural weapon for good. Prayer works. We should pray. And I think we tend to say about prayer, well, you know, it doesn't do anything. And if someone's not a Christian, I understand them saying that prayer doesn't do anything. Of course, they're going to say that. If someone's not a, I should say, if someone's not religious, they're going to take that approach to prayer, of course, because they reject the existence of God. So there's nobody to pray to. But uh, it's incredible the number of Christians who will say a similar thing. You know, prayer doesn't do anything. And they'll also say, well, I pray all the time. And it doesn't well, do you really pray all the time? Do you really? Do you actually pray all the time? I mean, when was the last time you actually prayed at all? I, I'm just asking you. I mean, think about it. Maybe you really do pray all the time, and you could say, well, I prayed this morning. But I think there are a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, I pray all the time. But, but really, they actually never do. They might every once in a while think first they're, just, they're driving in their car and they, their thoughts kind of wander to God for a few moments. And they consider that prayer, but prayer is a concentrated, um, purposeful communication with God. That doesn't always have to happen on our knees, but I think to the extent that we can pray on our knees, we should, because that's how we should approach God, but it doesn't mean you can't pray in your car or something. Um, That's what prayer is. And I think there are a great many of us who basically never do that. So that's one thing we can do. We can lend material support to organizations that are out there, you know, trying to help. We could do that too. But outside of those two important steps, so you have the material step and the supernatural step. Outside of those two, uh, the only other thing that I can think we can really do is, is, uh, And now this brings us to the point of my piece yesterday that I wanted to expand on. We can honor the courage and sacrifice of these people, these Christians, by not being such lazy, selfish, apathetic cowards ourselves. Because in dozens of countries around the planet, Christians go to church, they read their Bibles, they profess their faith, fully aware that these decisions may kill them. In many cases, they convert to the faith knowing their conversion may cost them their lives, and they do it anyway. But what about us? Church attendance on the decline. Many of us can't be bothered to drive a few minutes to an air-conditioned building to worship with our brothers and sisters for an hour or two on a Sunday. And why? 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 We flee from church, from responsibility, and we don't even have churches blown up with people inside them like, uh, like they do in other places in the world. And, you know, we certainly can't be hassled to... Um, if we can't be hassled to go to church, then we can't be hassled to stand by the more difficult and challenging aspects of our faith. So we kind of skim through the Bible, discarding every piece and part that doesn't suit the modern lifestyle and we sit up on a perch like God's and we construct a new religion for ourselves, one that permits abortion, pornography, premarital sex, adultery, gay marriage, whatever other sin we feel like indulging in. And um, we do all of this as our fellow believer, believers are marched out into the desert and massacred for believing in the word of God. Yet in America, we stand down, we cower, we whimper, we don't declare our faith we don't even do it on Facebook because we're afraid that we're afraid we might prompt, you know, mean Facebook comments. And I know this isn't true across the board, but but it might be more true about you than you want it to be and want to admit that it is. I, I get emails all the time from people who tell me they're too afraid to speak out against, you know, the gay agenda, the pro-choice agenda or, or what have you because of the blowback. But what is the blowback in our case? Pretty much exclusively angry Internet comments and frowny face emojis. And this differs very slightly from the anti-Christian blowback in the Middle East, which often involves actual explosives. Or, you know, being dragged out of your home, beaten, burned alive, hung from a bridge. It's pathetic. And so when I say we have it easy in this country, that's what I mean. That we have it easy. We have it too easy. We're too comfortable. We live in too much luxury. It is easy to be a Christian. In that, you know, you can be a Christian and go about your daily life and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You, you, that's, that's, it's, put it another way. It's as easy as you want to make it. And uh, that's not the case in other parts of the world. But for us, it is. And so if you want it to be really, really easy, yeah, you got to kind of keep your mouth shut and go with the flow. But that's always an option. And uh, it's not a good option. It might be a option that's fatal to your soul, but it is an option. And many people uh, take advantage of it. That's how they live their life. So easy. Yeah, it is easy. Now, on the other hand, you can make it difficult for yourself, but not in a, it won't be physically difficult. It won't be physically dangerous to be a Christian in this country. It isn't, you know, it isn't, it, it won't be, maybe eventually we'll be in that place. We're not there now. But what we do have to contend with in this country is temptation. That's our cross to bear. Temptation. And there's a lot of it. And I'm not going to say no that it's easy to resist temptation because it isn't. So that's where our challenge comes. And in that sense is where the difficulty lies. But it's only difficult if you actually set out to uh, to resist the temptation. And even there, I would say that, um, you know it's it's still not. As hard as we make it out to be. You know, there's a great line that I've mentioned before from uh, the novel Power and the Glory by Graham Greene. And uh, there's a, a um, the very end of the novel. The protagonist priest he's this alcoholic Catholic priest who uh, has been a coward his whole life and uh, and but but finally made a courageous decision at the end of his life to uh s- stand for his faith and to submit to persecution and martyrdom. so he's waiting in this in his cell and uh, he's waiting for his execution, and th- I just had to pull it up because there's this great great line at the end that, that relates, and uh talking about this priest as he was thinking about his um, the fate of his eternal soul, thinking about his death that, that awaits him very soon. And it says, tears poured down his face. He was not at the moment afraid of damnation. Even the fear of pain was in the background. He felt only an immense disappointment because he had to go to God empty-handed with nothing done at all. It seemed to him at the moment that it would have been quite easy to, be, to have been a saint. It would only have needed a little self-restraint and a little courage. He felt like someone who has missed happiness by seconds at an appointed place. He knew now that at the end, there was only one thing that counted. To be a saint. And I really like that line because I think there's so much truth to it. It would have been quite easy to have been a saint. You only would have needed a little self-restraint and a little courage. And I think, uh, I think that's very true. And I could really see how someone facing their own death thinking about their meeting with God that is going to be happening very shortly would think that to themselves because they think back on all the temptations and and all the dumb things they did. And they think, why did I do any of that? Yeah, there was temptation, but was the temptation so strong? Would it really been so difficult to just resist it? How hard would it really have been? And I think that's especially true in our case. I remember that in the novel, this, uh, the priest that's thinking all this he lives in a country where actually it is hard to be a Christian because that, that's why they're all being executed. But in our country, you know, that's not the case, but we do have temptation, like I'm saying, and that's where our difficulty lies. That's where the challenge is. And it's quite a challenge, but it, it, it shouldn't be. It, it's it shouldn't really be that hard. And there are things we could do. Here's the important point. There are things we can do to make it easier. Uh, realizing how weak we are and how prone we are to succumb to temptation and realizing how much temptation there is in our society. There are things we can do to, um, to avoid as much as possible, putting ourselves in a position where we'll be exposed to, you know, occasions for sin and temptation. And we can't, there's nothing we could do to insulate ourselves from all of it. We could take some steps at least. And the thing is we don't even take those steps. Most of us, there are just some basic things we could do realizing what our challenges are, what our temptations are. And there are certain temptations that everybody shares pretty much. And there are certain things we could do to as much as possible, avoid those temptations or, um, regulate them as much as possible. But it seems like we don't do those things. You know, just, just little things like being very careful about the movies you watch and the shows that you watch and, you know, what you do on the computer. Um, that kind of thing. Being careful about the sort of friends you keep around you and how you carry yourself when you're in public and w- what you do for recreation, the places that you go. I mean, all these things. These are basic things we could do and those things are easy. We we now they might be difficult for us because we're so incredibly weak, but they're still easy. We have to face the fact that these are easy things that are hard for us because of how ridiculously weak we are. But they're that they still are easy. Like it's easy. It it is actually really easy to um just not watch TV that much. And therefore not expose yourself to a lot of the temptation that comes with that and a lot of the objectionable content that you're going to be exposed to and that will bring your mind into bad places that's easy to do but we don't do it so i think it is important i know i know when you say well it's easy to be a christian in this country and people get upset because they say well it's not easy for me it's hard and i know it's hard for me for me too but that's, that tells you something about us. And we should always remember what makes it hard. It's like we basically make it hard on ourselves. As opposed to in other places in the world where it's going to be hard for you no matter what you do. Just in simply saying you're a Christian, you have exposed yourself to suffering and tragedy. Just in simply saying you're a Christian. That's not the case for us. We bring a lot of these problems on ourselves. And then we complain that it's so hard. Well, I say we don't really get to complain about that, do we? Because we're doing this to ourselves. And we shouldn't be. And that's, uh, I think, the the crux of the matter. All right, that's going to do it for me. I'll talk to you guys next week. I appreciate Salus, Godspeed.